Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Hey, warmer days remind us of fond summer memories. Now, you can make those moments year-round with a Michael Phelps swim spa by our friends at Master Spas, and that combines the leisure of a hot tub with the exercise benefits of a pool. Now, Master Spas technology is incredible with LED lighting, beautiful waterfalls, and those super powerful water jets installed in just one day. You're going to love it. Proudly made in America. Use the promo code Hannity in the upper right-hand corner. That's masterspas.com for up to $1,000 off. You can exercise, relax, recover with the only hot tub and swim spa brand I trust, masterspas.com. Are you being influenced? Well, if you watched the blockbuster film in the last decade, well, then there's a chance it has been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Now, here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. Now, in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, well, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free when you go to the website, hollywoodtakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. On the Job is brought to you by Express Employment Professionals. Express Employment Professionals is a leading staffing provider that employs nearly 600,000 people annually across more than 800 franchise locations in the U.S., Canada, and South Africa. Our long-term goal is at the heart of our company's mission, to help as many people as possible find good jobs by helping as many clients as possible find good people. It takes more than just online searches to land a job. It takes real people who will identify your talents. A person invested in your success. Express Employment Professionals understands what it takes to land a new position at a top employer or start a new career in today's job market. Express knows jobs. Get to know Express. Go to ExpressPros.com. Welcome to On The Job. This season, we're bringing you stories about people finding their professional stride by virtue of who they know. Whether it's breathing new life into an age-old profession, taking the reins in a family business, forging your own path with a new idea, or landing the perfect job doing something you'd never before even considered. The final episode of this season is about a man named Jim Larita. His work as a veterinarian in the town of Hope, Maine, has had a profound effect on a lot of people. He was always really good with animals. You know, we had dogs and cats and, and all of that, and he was probably the, the one who really got them the best. The story of Jim Larita and the trajectory of his work is a pretty wild one, and a big part of that trajectory was his brother Tom. So I'm Tom Larita. I am Jim Larita's elder brother. 
Tom is the CEO of New Leaf Symbiotics, which is a big plant microbio company in St. Louis. But in his early days, he had a much different job. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Carson and Barnes, the world's only five-ring circus! Tom went to college for about two years before leaving in 1977 to become a juggler and ring announcer at Carson and Barnes, the largest tented circus in America. Ladies and gentlemen, the prima ballerina of Spangleland. Ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Captain Donald Carr. Tom and Jim grew up in a rural part of the Adirondacks before moving to the closed-off suburbs of Yorktown Heights in New York. But one summer, a two-bit circus came through town and captivated them. It was this big window into a world that they just hadn't known before. You know, there was always this image of running away and joining the circus, of course, that lots of people grew up with. And that is, in fact, what we ended up doing. Tom ran off to the circus first. Meanwhile, Jim was in college studying zoology when Tom called him and said that he could get him a job with animals in the circus. And the job was shoveling elephant manure. So we had 26 elephants that were traveling with the show. That's a lot of elephant manure. You have no idea how much manure that is. Jim showed incredible talent for working with the elephants and eventually worked his way up to trainer for the second largest herd of elephants in the United States. We would have uh, what was called the long mount. So all 26 elephants would come rumbling into the tent. It was a huge tent. The first elephant, who was the matriarch, would stop, and then the one behind her would get on her haunches and put her two front feet on the back of the first one, and then the third and the fourth, etc., all the way through. So, you know, my script was, Now count them! And it was one, two, all the way to 26. And I I guarantee you, no one who saw that, you know, is ever going to forget that. Once he worked with elephants, he was stuck on that. He would, you know, he loved elephants, and that was, that was always his dream. Jim later told Tom that when he left the circus, he made a promise to one of the elephants that one day he'd be back. They both left the circus after a few years. Jim went on to do a ton of cool jobs. He worked on an Alaskan oil rig. He worked on Japanese fishing boats, monitoring sustainable practices. He went to India to study elephants. And eventually, he ended up in this little town in Maine called Hope, where he was going to open up his own veterinarian office. People in the community there immediately loved Jim. Tom said he was always a guy that people wanted to be around. But he thinks that he still kind of always preferred the company of animals. He would say, you know, people are mean. People are dishonest. And uh, animals are, are not. Animals are who they are. I can remember being in his vet practice and there'd be some dog come in and it was you know, growling and you could see this thing was going to bite. And I was like, whoa, I don't want to go near this animal. He would just walk up to it, you know, put his hand on it, and he had no fear. Uh, and the dog felt that and would immediately calm down. It was amazing, really. He says if your dog was sick, you could call Jim at 1 a.m. and he'd head right over. And if he didn't have any money, he'd just say, pay me when you can. That's just who he was. In fact, he was, you know, a terrible businessman in that sense because he didn't, he didn't really equate the fact that he was doing these, this thing that he loved with animals to the idea that he also was supposed to be making money and 
he could have been on Park Avenue in a vet practice, you know, making a gazillion dollars, but he really wanted to be in Maine. And he always had this dream of having elephants. So much so that he had this little picture of an elephant on the wall in his office. And he told everyone who came in, one day, I'm going to take care of elephants here in Maine. Did you think he was crazy the first time he told you? Well, I I thought it was unusual. (laughs) This is Carrie Larita, Jim's wife of 20 years. I mean, I just seemed, but I was so used to, you know, off the wall sort of wacky things from him. I mean, he just came at life in a different way. And I believed it 100%. Yes, I thought it was weird and crazy, but I didn't doubt it for a second. Carrie first met Jim bringing her ex-boyfriend's cat to the clinic. She and that guy eventually broke up. And after just two dates, Jim and Carrie moved in together. And it was instant and totally meant to be. He was magnetic. He had no um, judgment of anyone ever. A couple years after they met, they got married. They ended up having two boys, Henry and Louis. And the whole time they were together, Carrie knew that the elephant thing was eventually going to happen because that's just the kind of guy that he was. Exactly. If he said he was going to do something, he did it. If he said he was going to anything, anything that he said, he followed through on. And so I knew, I knew it would happen. In 2011, it did. We're here in Hugo, Oklahoma, to begin the process of moving these animals up to Maine. Uh, Rosie and Opal are going to be coming to Maine this week to begin their new life. This is a clip of Jim. He started a YouTube channel with a bunch of videos documenting the elephants. This is one of the first, when he and Tom established Hope Elephants in Maine, which was basically an old folks' home and rehab center for retired circus elephants. Their first two elephants were Rosie and Opal, who were from the original herd that Tom and Jim worked with in the circus years before. I think they're going to be very comfortable. They're going to have uh, an hour and a half of physical therapy a day each. They are going to be exercised regularly. Uh, Their feet are going to be worked on every day. Rosie and Opal both had a lot of physical ailments and were about 40 years old when they came to Maine, which is pretty old for elephants. Rosie was very young when Jim first met her in the circus, and out of the 26 elephants, Jim really bonded with her. She is the elephant that Jim promised he'd come back for all those years ago. Rosie was the first elephant that was a candidate for this. And she had a severe arthritis, so she had a real limp. And she was also an outcast in the herd. Um, because she was more interested in people than she was interested in the elephants. And the other elephants didn't like that. In fact, even when I had her when she was young, when I was taller than her, uh, you couldn't walk her past certain elephants. They pushed her around and they would kick at her and they would throw their trunks at her. And so we said, well, that's not a good way to live. Um, and so we said, can we find a special friend for her? And we did find a special friend, and her name is Opal. So she and Opal get along together very well. So Opal was someone who kind of got along with Rosie. So that's how the decision was made by Jim and the owners of the elephants, that they would come to Maine to go through this rehabilitation and become part of Hope Elephants. I felt an instant connection to Opal. I, I just remember the eye contact, and it was crazy, unbelievable. Oh, she's such a good girl. Good girl. This is from a video of Carrie holding Opal's trunk and walking with her on a sunny day. Yeah. Oh, good girl. Oh, best girl ever. Jimmy would say she was, you know, she was mischievous and 
He would say she has crazy eyes. Opal was a little bit of a wild card, but I liked that about her. She was spicy. <laughs> kind of like me, which is probably why we had that instant initial connection. Uh, and Rosie was was very sweet and kind of more docile. I just think of her swaying back and forth with her eyes sort of half closed. Just, just there, you know, comfortable there, peaceful. And this one is from a clip of Jim spraying Rosie down with cold water. Were all your friends jealous? Oh, yeah. They didn't even know what to do with themselves when we brought them over. <laughs> These are Carrie and Jim's two boys, Henry and Lewis. Yeah, I'm Lewis, um, Jim's youngest son. I'm Henry. I'm the oldest. Both boys are in college. Henry's studying zoology, just like his dad. But you guys are like the elephant kids. Yeah. Yeah, we got some comments about the smell after go shovel dung in the morning and then go to our 8 a.m. classes or yep. whatever. <laughs> It wasn't like having just regular pets. Rosie and Opal became a huge part of the family's life and became a fixture in the community. Everyone says they played a lot of tricks on each other and on the family, hiding hay from one another and using their trunks to steal treats from your back pocket when you weren't looking. They even figured out how to turn off the electric fences around the enclosure. They're like two mischievous old ladies. Yes, that's exactly what they were. Pretty much. Well, the only thing missing was a handbag. We'll get back to the story in a second. First, a word from Express Employment Professionals. A strong work ethic takes pride in a job well done, sweats over the details. This is you. But to get an honest day's work, you need a response. You need a callback. You need a job. Express Employment Professionals can help because we understand what it takes to get a job. It takes more than just online searches to land a job. It takes someone who will identify your talents, a person invested in your success. At Express, we can even complete your application with you over the phone. We'll prepare you for interviews and we'll connect you to the right company. Plus, we'll never charge a fee to find you a job. At Express, we can put you to work with companies of all sizes and industries, from the production floor to the front office. Express knows jobs. Get to know Express. Find your location at ExpressPros.com or on the Express Jobs app. And now, back to our story. Hope Elephants was completely open to the public, and they'd have school groups and all sorts of people travel from everywhere to see Rosie and Opal. And to Jim, it was a lot more than just a retirement home. The other purpose was education, and 99% of the people who came to Hope Elephants walked away thinking, oh my God, this is just so amazing and so cool, and these animals are so beautiful. And the idea was that people would be inspired in some form or in some way to care about elephants through seeing the, the interaction and trying to preserve elephants or at least bring uh, awareness of the probable extinction of elephants. The elephant enclosure was literally in Carrie and Jim's backyard, and taking care of them was a ton of work. Would you say your dad was kind of like a workaholic? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, elephants just functioned with the sun, so <laughs> seven days a week, just you know, up to... at dawn, down at dusk. Yeah. He was, you know, all in. I mean, if they were, if one of them was sick, he'd put a cot up in the barn and, you know, spend the night there. 
uh, making sure that uh, they were okay. Or People used to say, Jim, you need to take a break. You need to come in. You know, he was always in the barn, and he didn't have to be. He, he wanted to be. I mean, he loved, loved, loved being around them. Jim had a great rapport with them. Great rapport. This is Cindy Preventure. I was the other uh, elephant trainer. To keep elephants, you legally have to have a backup handler on call in case of emergency. She's retired now. She lives in New Hampshire. But she and her son Travis would go up and take care of the elephants with Jim. They became like family. So one night in September of 2014, Cindy said that she gave Jim a call to give him crap because her son said that Jim had been working too hard. This was on a Monday night. You know, and of course he saw my number and he was like, hey, girl, because that's what he always said. Hey, girl, you know, one of the elephants had she had a bad belly and he had been and he had been walking her a little bit and um, over the weekend. And my son had mentioned, well, yeah, he's tired. You know, he hasn't gotten much sleep. And we had just had this conversation like weeks prior to, you know, you're not alone in this. Like, I can come up and help, you know, um, so that you're not exhausted, whatever. And so he's like, yeah, no, no, she's fine. She's better now. I'm going to get some sleep tonight because I'm like, I'm on my way. I'm going to grab a bag. And he's like, no, no, you know, we'll see you on Wednesday. And the very next morning, Carrie called me. Um, could you kind of bring me back to the, the day that, um... Okay, hang on one sec. That's okay. Okay, so the routine was he would go out first, first, first thing in the morning, or unless he'd slept there, and check the girls, give them their hay, give them their, you know, just the usual morning routine, and... We had a baby monitor left over from the kids that we had in the living room so that whenever he did come in, he would, you know, listen for anything going on out there, any noises or any upset if, you know, if they, if he left them alone. And I I heard him make a bizarre sound, you know, and then he said, no, Rosie. And I thought, well, that's weird. And I went out there, and the door was locked, and I couldn't find the keys. And by the time I got in, he was laying on the ground, and both the girls were just, you know, in the pen, and he was laying there. Jim, his hip was shot, and he knew he needed a new hip, and he was always putting it off. And, um, like, the last person he ever took care of was himself, so what I think happened is probably he fell, um, and I think that Rosie tried to help him up. You know, the way an elephant helps another elephant up is they use their foot to sort of, you know, pick them up. And, I mean, I'm 100% sure she didn't try to hurt him. <laughs> you know, she tried to help him, but in helping him, crushed his, crushed him. It was my freshman year, and then I just hopped a plane back. You know, it was like a Tuesday, um, and I was like, you know, like woke up early for school and like, um, 
like heard some stuff going on through the monitor. You know, I was just like right in the right in the heat of it. It was kind of popped out of nowhere. I felt really, really protective of the boys and of I don't know. I just wanted to be in a bubble. I didn't want to, I didn't want the real world to be out there waiting. It took a while for to get through that. <clears throat> I remember pulling out of my driveway and I remember pulling up to their house. This again is Cindy, the other elephant trainer. The two elephants were in the outside pasture when I got there and, you know, I just went out and I didn't even call them or anything. I just kind of stood and they both came like walking up and like Rosie was like putting her trunk all over me and chirping and as if to say like, something's wrong, and they knew. I mean, it took a couple of days for me to even go out there, and then when I did, I didn't want to leave. It was really emotional, in a good way. I mean, I I missed them, and I could tell they missed me. But it was that much harder because I knew they were leaving. (laughs) So many, so many emotions you know in all the shock it was like what are we going to do you know with these animals and what's the right thing to do and we quickly realized okay this is it i mean we can't go on with hope elephants and um, they have to go back to oklahoma which was always the plan by the way and jimmy had always said if something happens to me they need to go back to the herd and so that's what we did The rest of Rosie and Opal's original herd that Tom and Jim had worked with in their circus days had retired to a similar organization in Oklahoma called Endangered Ark. Within a few days, they sent up a truck and Rosie and Opal were on the road south. Yeah, I was sad to see that go, but I don't think it would ever be the same if Jim wasn't there. Because, like, Jim was... Like, he was a superstar. You know, people die all the time, but not many people touch as many other beings as, as Jim did. The memorial for Jim was a massive event in Hope. It was even televised. Oh, that was wild. I mean, I there must have been a thousand people there. I mean, it doesn't, it seems like a, a fiction. Kind of his, his trajectory and his life. You know, he kind of just had this like magnetism, magnetism about him. You know, it attracted people, um, and it like held people together. And that's true both in the context of family and I think the community as well. Um, a lot of the decisions that I make and a lot of the things that I do and a lot of the way I approach the world is a product of how um, he did all of those things. I mean, the, the true, true lesson was that he, you know, he followed his dream. He had that dream since he was young, and he made it happen. Yes, it was horrible and devastating and just shattering, but he, you know, he said he was going to do it. It was his dream, and he did it. I mean, that that is worth everything, that above all, to have the boys know that and to know that myself 
he was living his dream, which I don't think very many people can say that. Even with Hope Elephant's gone, Rosie and Opal's presence in the town is still felt there and is a big part of their story now. And Jim's work bringing attention to the conservation of elephants reverberates far outside of Maine's borders. Even National Geographic made a video remembering Jim and all that he did. In 2017, Opal passed away at the age of 48. Rosie is still living out her years happily amongst the herd that Jim first met her in. Jim Larita was a veterinarian. That was his job. But his real work was providing a window into a world that people hadn't known before. Something bigger than that. He took a crazy idea and made it into his legacy. A story that will be told by everyone who knew him for years and years to come. The biggest thing that I got from hearing Jim's story is... I think it's important that... Instead of who we are being defined by what we do for a living, we really need to start thinking about what we do for a living being defined by who we are. That is how Jim Larita lived his life. And you gotta wonder, what would the world look like if we all pursued work like that? If you had to give a, like a ringmaster exit to Jim, how, what would you, how would you do it? <laughs> Probably something like, ladies and gentlemen, the man and the legend, Jim Larita, he'll be back. And there they go, those ponderous pachyderms, Rosie Opal and Jim. Huge thanks to the Larita family, to Cindy Preventure, Marty Larita, and Endangered Ark. You can find pictures and videos of Jim, Rosie, and Opal on our website, expresspros.com slash podcast. For On the Job, I'm Otis Gray. Thanks for listening to On The Job, brought to you by Express Employment Professionals. Find out more at expresspros.com. This season of On The Job is produced by Audiation and Red Seat Ventures. Our executive producer is Sandy Smolens. Our producer is Otis Gray. The show is mixed by Matt Noble at The Loft in Bronxville, New York. Find us on iHeartRadio and Apple Podcasts. If you liked what you heard, please consider rating or reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We'll see you next time for more inspiring stories about discovering your life's work.
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.